the system will keep going on and on. You're listening to the news on RTHK. Morning to you. Three minutes after eight o'clock. Lots of stories about funny paper this morning. Welcome to Money for Nothing, by the way. I'm Brian Curtis. Today, along with Richard Harris. Richard, good morning. Good morning to you, Brian. So we'll have a lot of fun on the show today. We've got some great guests coming up, too. In the headlines, the SFC sues Siddick for allegedly giving out false information on losses back in 2008. China regulators have fined Volkswagen and Chrysler for antitrust violations. Beijing rejects allegations that it is targeting foreign companies. And stocks rebound to close higher. Also, investor Bill Gross says it's okay to lever up and buy bonds. That means it's okay to borrow money and buy bonds. He also says that U.S. Treasuries are fairly valued at current levels. We think the market at uh, you know, these, these current levels uh, in terms of the 10-year Treasury, close to 2.5%, uh, you know, is fairly valued. Um, and that depends upon our new outlook called the new neutral, which suggests that the Fed will not raise interest rates Anytime to soon. a level that they, that they have historically. No, he didn't mean anytime soon, as the uh, anchor there was budding in. He meant uh, back to normal levels, that the Fed is not going to get back to the old level of uh, short-term interest rates. So he says, go ahead and borrow. Monetary policy uh, will be, you know, very, very easy for a long time. And that means, you know, very positive yield curves and the ability to borrow at a low rate and to reinvest at a higher rate. That's the essence of capitalism. So anyway, if rates uh, go shooting higher, he'll be wrong. And of course, you'll be wanting to be careful on this. But uh, that's the view of the bond king. And he's been one of the top uh, bond investors over the past 30 years. Also, we'll be hearing some comments about the vote coming up in Scotland. It's a bigger risk than people thought it was a month ago. A month ago, you know, people thought it was an outside chance. Um, then only this last Monday, we got the first opinion poll that said there were more people in favor of independence than against. So, you know, they have exactly one week to go, and if more of them vote for independence than vote for staying together, they'll be gone. It'll be done. I don't think it can get undone at that point. That's Kit Jukes at SockGen. By the way, in the latest poll, it looks like it puts no on 52% and yes on 48%. So I'll have a little bit more on that later. Featured topics this morning, Macau Casinos with Richard Huang of CLSA, Regional Strategy with Jonathan Garner at Morgan Stanley. Of course, my co-host this morning, Richard Harris, will be with us uh, from Port Shelter Investment Management, looking generally at markets and uh, just all the topics that we talk about on the program with uh, Richard. And then Danny Hicks of AFP will be along on the saga engulfing the NFL and the player Ray Rice. On markets, Bill Gross was asked, where are the animal spirits? The United States is sort of of the um, best example of uh, animal spirits kicking back in, but certainly on the global basis in Japan, in Euroland, certainly in Russia, in South America with Brazil and Venezuela and Argentina, there are no animal spirits. So he's saying no animal spirits. Anyway, let's take a look at the Asian markets right now with Richard. Uh, Early morning markets uh, a bit brighter this morning with Australia up three basis points at 5548. 
Uh, Tokyo's upper ticket, 15,895, and Seoul's just opening about half a percent up at 2043. On the currency markets, the dollar continues to show strength against the major currencies, with the euro now uh, $1.2924. The yen is at 107.11 to the dollar, and sterling is at uh, $1.62, which is about uh, $12.60 to the Hong Kong dollar. Uh, Renminbi is now 6.13 to the dollar. Brent oil ticked up overnight, uh, 50 cents to 98.10, and gold is largely flat at uh, $1,240 an ounce. So I just wanted to tell you a little bit about this SFC Citic story here first before we get to uh, Wall Street. The SFC has filed suit against Citic and five former directors for allegedly giving out false information on losses back in 2008. The commission is going after former chairman Larry Young, former managing director Henry Fan, and the other former executive directors of Citic. It's also seeking court orders to compensate as many as some 4,500 investors in the company. You'll remember that Citic Limited, uh, which is called now, used to be called Citic Pacific, it made some wrong way uh, bets, currency bets with the Australian dollar to try to hedge a project in Australia. The company was criticized for a six-week delay in revealing the losses, and the police raided the offices of the company in 2009. Well, in Wall Street, the S&P 500 moved slightly higher after shedding some early losses. A rebound in oil helped. The S&P 500 gaining 0.1% in 1997. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 19 points at 17,049. The yield on the one on the 10-year Treasury gained two basis points to 2.75%. So I featured some comments earlier from Bill Gross. We get more now from the Bond King. So 2.5% is an historically low yield. It reflects an historically high price, uh, artificially high. Uh, but to our way of thinking, with slower growth and with the Fed you know, moving to a lower new neutral, then 2.5% is a, a decent return and not subject, importantly, to, uh, to a bear market. So he basically thinks that uh, bonds are still a pretty good bet. Uh, Richard, uh, uh, taking a look at the bond market, uh, and then uh, we'll we'll take a look at uh, Scotland in just a moment. But uh, you know, with the um, with the bond, the ten-year bond yield now at two point five percent, it's moved up twenty odd basis points. But the trend has has been lower for most of this year. How does that affect uh, stock markets? Well, uh, generally, stock markets quite like uh, bond markets going lower, and I'm sure there's no doubt that because the bonds have uh, uh, has been quite a gentle market for the stock markets. The stock markets have done that much better. Um, I just wonder, though, whether we're coming back maybe to maybe a new normal or the old normal that we should have been, because nobody really expected the bond markets to be so good this year. Uh, and we're probably coming back to about where people thought they should be. Basically, what Bill Gross is saying is that um, growth is so tepid everywhere that interest rates are not going to shoot up. So bonds still offer reasonably good value. You're not going to get dramatic returns during you know these period this period where the economies are performing so badly. So he still likes um, he still likes bonds right around this level, and uh, he also says that it's okay to to borrow. So the trend this year has been for bond yields to move down, representing slower growth, and stocks to move up because companies are managing their expenses quite well. So do you do you go with that trend? Well, I think it's probably a bit brave for Bill to say not only going to bonds but also uh, leverage yourself up. Um, but then, as you say. 
say he is the Bond King, so maybe he would say that anyway. I, I, I think that the market's consensus... So you mean he might be talking his own book? Well, one might say that, <laughs> but I could not possibly comment. Um, I think one of the uh, issues is that most market commentators think that the bond market is probably going to weaken, and most market commentators see the economy is doing fairly well. I think it would be a brave man to bet against that. I think where we probably have been wrong is the timing, but of course um, uh, you can lose a lot of money with the wrong timing. Let's do a little bit on Scotland because this actually roiled Wall Street a bit, a bit more than you might imagine. Uh, RBS has confirmed it will move its headquarters to London if Scotland does vote for independence. The Better Together campaign in Scotland is retaining a slight lead, according to the latest poll. The poll puts no on 52 percent, yes on 48 percent. We heard from Kit Jukes at SockGen earlier. Bloomberg's Mike McKee says the banking industry would likely have to move south. Well, the problem the banks have is everything's got to be re-denominated into whatever currency the Scots eventually adopt. Now, there is an EU rule that a bank's headquarters has to be in the same country as most of its clients and operations. And so they may be forced legally to move to London because most of these banks do most of their business down in London. But uh, the cost of this, and then you have people in Scotland say, well, where's my bank account? And what does it cost me if I get paid in a Scottish currency, call it the haggis or whatever, you know, <laughs> uh, what's what I lose by translating that from uh, from the British pound. Leading researcher Ed Yardani says it would be a bad signal to Europe. The United Kingdom has been an economy uh, that's been integrated. It's been a, a union. And uh, if you start to break it apart, it creates uh, all sorts of questions about currency, about debt, who owns the oil, how you split that up. And it really um, sends a really bad signal to the rest of Europe. Uh, Right now, we need a strong United Kingdom. We don't need a United Kingdom that's sort of imploding. Uh, there's a lot of problems in Europe, especially with what's going on with Russia and the Ukraine. So that's just one issue. And then there's separatists in other parts of Europe, like in Spain. Okay, let's uh, bring in Jonathan Garner now, Managing Director at Morgan Stanley Research. Uh, Jonathan, good morning. Uh, don't, don't worry, I'm not going to ask you about Scotland, although I'm sure you could speak eloquently on it. Uh, but we wanted to look more at, at this region um, and just basically kind of get the mood of the market or the message of the market at the moment. What do you like? Well, we like uh, Japan and we, and we like uh, China. I think for Japan, uh, yen weakness, we're at uh, north of 107 right now, is really going to help earnings continue to move forward. And we've had seven straight quarters of earnings peaks, and we think that continues. And I think for China, there's a lot of uh, excitement, obviously, about the mutual market access agreement. But uh, we also still have extremely low valuations to peers and history. We think the growth outlook broadly is stabilizing after some policy easing in the second quarter. Uh, and we continue to think that the weakness in property isn't going to spill over to the mass consumer economy in China. That's the fear you hear the most, uh, that there is a coming bust in property. Why don't you think that'll happen? levered uh, in China, at least in our numbers, we don't think the consumer is, is levered. So you haven't got that dynamic where, uh, you know, a rising rates environment and a falling property price environment uh, caused the over-levered consumer to pull back from discretionary spend, as happened, say, in the US or UK, so pull back from big ticket 
in auto purchases or, or taking vacations. That hasn't been happening uh, in China. And you still have underlying income growth. Um, so, again, uh, my former colleagues at Morgan Stanley, when we were looking at the U.S. in 05, 06, you know, we're talking a lot about the lack of income generation in the U.S. and increasing reliance on home equity and loan extraction and leverage. But in China, there's still underlying income growth, probably running at between 8 and 10 percent in the economy as a whole. We, we just had some car sales numbers out, uh, passenger vehicle sales in China rising at the slowest pace since March. Now, people are saying that that could be expected, I guess, because the economy has been slowing and the government has been really stepping up these um, anti-monopoly probes into uh, into the foreign car makers in particular. Uh, do you like the auto industry in China? Yeah, and the auto industry screens as an overweight for us regionally. Um, uh, actually, the Japanese firms are probably our, our top pick, given the way that the yen benefits them. But if you look at the first half as a whole for China, year-on-year passenger cars were registered were up 11% year-on-year. That was exceptionally strong, so it wouldn't be surprising to see a little bit of weakness here. But it wasn't the only strength we saw in the consumer. We had airline passengers up broadly similar, about 10.8% year-on-year. Total retail sales value added was still rising pretty strongly, as was restaurant and dining spending overall. It's certainly the case at the top end. Uh, the luxury uh, consumer market has been very soft for some time now, but, but the mass consumer, we think, is intact. And does that mass consumer continue to go to Macau? Well, yeah, again, Macau gaming uh, softened a little bit in the mass market recently. It was very strong in the first half, but you're, you're right to note that, that softened somewhat recently. Um, but I think... You know, generally, the problem we've had with Macau gaming names, we actually downgraded the sector last November, was just how exceptionally uh, highly valued they were in the, in the market at that point. Um, so we actually went more cautious on that sector quite some time ago, more around valuations than the actual earnings growth outlook. Let's talk a little bit about Japan. Um, the short the yen, go long the Nikkei was a trade that worked um, for a while, but then it went sort of uh, dead for quite a long time, actually. It seems like the better part of a year, but now it seems to be re-energizing. Um, uh, does the weaker yen uh, owe a little bit of gratitude to Mario Draghi? Yeah, and also to perceptions that uh, the U.S. is obviously going to exit QE. Uh, yeah. At the same time, we, we think BOJ is likely to do more QE in October, so that sets up some big relative currency shifts. And yes, as you're right, I mean, Japan had a pretty rough first half, mainly because of the consumption tax hike, um, which we thought was somewhat ill-advised in, in its scale. Uh, but the uh, market went out on the high for the year of December 31, and now we're actually you know, basically back at that high and likely, in our view, to break, break through it. So we have a 1,500 topics target. And as I pointed out, you know, throughout all of this, the last seven quarters, Japan, Japanese companies have been beating earnings expectations, whereas, for example, in the broad EM index, we're sitting completely the other way around on, on seven straight quarters of earnings misses, particularly in Latin America and uh, EMEA. Yes, I, I should probably explain uh, why I phrased the question in that way, just for general listeners. Uh, because uh, once Mario Draghi spoke at Jackson Hole and then carrying through to the ECB meeting last week, uh, we've seen a pretty broad weakening in the euro. The dollar has been getting stronger and the yen has weakened along with the euro. So have um, some Asian currencies. So it's introduced a lot more currency volatility um, into the markets, which will and sometimes uh, lead to volatility in the other markets. Are you projecting more volatility ahead or not so much? 
Uh, yes, we are, and, and we noted that in the summer, foreign exchange volatility was at, was at 30-year lows, and we have a theme of U.S. dollar strength um, across the board. Um, so whether it's against the yen or against the euro or some of the more vulnerable um, EM like Brazil or South Africa, um, dollar strength is, is likely to be with us, and that is going to set us up for a greater degree of volatility in all, in all asset classes. Okay, so we've uh, got another guest coming up to talk about Macau. I just wanted to put the very simple question to you. Um, you know, what is your single best investment idea at the moment? Well, at the headline index level, I would say um, buying, uh, buying the topics of the Nikkei. Yeah, uh, and, and you, the end where it is now, yeah, we, we definitely um, think there needs to be big upward revisions to earnings estimates for Japan. And you favor that over, say, buying a broad index of mainland stocks? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. All right. Thanks very much, Jonathan. Uh, thanks for joining us here on Money for Nothing. Jonathan Garner, Managing Director at Morgan Stanley. This is Money for Nothing, 20 minutes after 8. the crazy Aussie edit, bringing us uh, to our next guest, Richard Huang, regional consumer and gaming analyst at CLSA. I uh, mentioned that we wanted to talk a little bit about the casino boom in Macau. It is on pause at the moment, at least for the time being, and we're going to understand more after we listen to the views of Richard Huang. Richard, good morning. Yeah, so we'll bring you uh, bring you up a little bit there. Um, yeah, we've we've just talked to Jonathan Garner, and one of the questions was, uh, you know, are Chinese consumers still heady and excited about going to Macau? And your latest report sort of indicates that uh, the demand is still there, but uh, we're not seeing uh, supply. Uh, we're not seeing enough real supply in 2014, so the uh, the whole market is a little bit on hold. Can you explain your views? I mean, it's not just the case in Macau, but if we take a step back and focus on various regional gaming markets, supply has always been a critical driver behind gaming revenue growth. In 2013, Macau benefited from various infrastructure improvements, including the full connection of the high-speed rail, expansion of the border gate system, but very importantly, also from the uh, gradual opening of a casino property called Sense Kotai Central. So that resulted in 5% increase in terms of table count and 15% increase in hotel capacity. That has been one of the key drivers to the growth in 2013. While as we move over to 2014, there, was no there were no infrastructure upgrades at all. There weren't any addition of new hotel rooms or new gaming tables and hands. We see growth gradually decelerating. So, so does that mean, I mean, you know, we have to ask dumb questions in this job, but since the demand is still strong, you think that the money would still be there, therefore that the companies that are doing the casino business would be flourishing. Um, but is it what you're saying that there's not enough um, capacity, so if you don't bring new supply on, then you just don't get that much growth? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean... If you were to take a look at the hotel occupancy rate in the major casino hotels these days, they would be running at 98, 99% throughout the year. Wow. And in fact, I just came back from Macau two weeks ago. I ended up having to pay 6000 Hong Kong for a standard room in the Grand Hyatt. And there was the one of the very few hotels that actually have a room available. The well, you, room, you, you work for CLSA, and uh, so I'm sure they can afford it. <laughs> 
Anyway, yeah, but I mean, what, what the, the, the the thing that that I mean, Macau has ran into a supply bottleneck to drive growth. Historically, what the gaming companies has been doing is continuously lifting the price of the hotels and also the price of the gaming tables. If you were to go walk into a mass gaming area for mass players, the minimum bet would be at least a thousand. I mean, the average would be two thousand, three thousand. So, I mean, not everyone is ready to gamble two thousand, three thousand Hong Kong dollars per hand. And the increase in price of gambling and traveling to Macau has priced a lot of potential players. Of course, when new casinos open, the cost of going to Macau would gradually come off and then Macau can gradually target much wider uh, audience base. So the in fact, the new flow and also the gaming revenue growth in next year would change drastically with the new openings. Do you think that analysts have been too slow to bring down their targets? Are they just wedded to this boom and they've kept their um, ratings pretty high? Well, I would say that Macau has always been a long-time favorite uh, among the investors and also the, the analysts as well. I mean, we, we recognize the supply bottleneck in I mean, uh, last year, I mean, we know that this year the supply would be tight, but the we, we still have to cut down numbers, and the demand, especially on the VIP side, has been softer than what we would like it to be. I mean, it was due to what's happening in the Chinese macro environment. It's also due to the, the various initiatives in clamp down on corruption. But by and large, would say that the growth slowdown this year is still supply-driven. And so, I so that, that, I mean, for investors, investors then, would they be wise to uh, to buy at these lower prices and then just um, sort of don't watch them and hold them for a couple of years? We, 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 the, I think I'm just about to go into a question. I mean, the reason why investors have been slow in like or has been reluctant to change their view on the sector is because that the sector valuation, it's not expensive to start with. The stocks are only trading on 14 times P right now offering four to five percent dividend yield it's true that growth would be quite slow over the next six months probably but growth would start to reaccelerate okay. to around second quarter next year when new casinos open so, so, uh, so I mean, if the share price does come down then it does make sense so, so briefly how many buys do you have and which ones do you like the most uh, 20 seconds we <clears throat> have all buys in the sector and our preference is galaxy and Melco crown because casinos which are about to open next okay all right richard uh, thanks very much um i remember last time when you were on you were all in as well so um yeah good luck with that one uh, and we'll talk again richard huang regional consumer and gaming analyst at clsa i say richard that we'll talk again but it won't be me because next wednesday is my last day here on money for nothing Yeah, you talk about somebody uh, rolling in the deep. Uh, Ray Rice and the NFL and the saga. 
that has rolled out over the past uh, several months. The football player knocked his girlfriend, who's now his wife, unconscious in an elevator. Initially, the NFL suspended Rice for two games. The public reacted angrily, saying the sentence was too lenient. And then the video was made public and all hell broke loose. Danny Hicks, uh, the editor of Sports Direct at AFP, is with us. Danny, good morning. Good morning, Brian. So you want to walk us through some of the key points uh, for people who maybe haven't followed this story? Yeah, I mean, in a nutshell, it's an incident that happened in February this year, as you say, uh, in an Atlantic City casino in an elevator. And uh, I think most of us have seen the video by now, and it's quite shocking. Uh, this Ray Rice running back for the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, you know, former Super Bowl winner and all that sort of thing. Uh, a very big name in the sport. Um, landed a left hook on his fiance's jaw and knocked her spark out cold, and it's very, very brutal. Um, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell at the time uh, said that he hadn't seen the full video, had only seen the, the sort of aftermath of her being dragged out con- unconscious out of the lift. He got a two-game ban. I mean, if we compare this to some other sports, Luis Suarez for biting a player, he's banned for four months. For We had a player, a uh, uh, Denver Broncos kicker last month, banned for four games for alcohol-related uh, offences, uh, breaching the substance abuse policy. Basically, he got drunk. He got four games. This guy knocks out his now wife uh, in a brutal assault, um, was charged with aggravated assault, but that was mitigated because he took a pre-trial programme. He only gets two games. The NFL are in a lot of hot water over this. There is a lot of uh, scrutiny now on the NFL's credibility, for mm. sure, uh, because uh, what they did after that initial two-game ban was they, they later came out and uh, stiffened the overall penalties for domestic violence. But this is a first-time offense, and the NFL at first was saying, um, you know, let the courts handle it if they decide to. And the courts obviously decided to handle it in a very lenient way. Mm. He did not have to do jail time. But now it looks like that's being rethought. I think it's been rethought since this video has been released. And uh, credibility is the key word here. I think the credibility of the NFL and, and Roger Goodall, the commissioner of the F- NFL, is, uh, is at an all-time low, if not at zero at the moment, because they claim they did not see the full video. Why didn't they request the full video from the casino? Why didn't they uh, uh, ask the police what, what evidence they had? Uh, well, there was a disclosure yesterday that um, uh, by the AP that a video had been sent mm. to the NFL, but then Roger Goodell said said that uh, he hadn't actually uh, seen it uh, in its entirety. And then developments today that Ray Rice told him about this incident. But, of course, if you haven't seen the video and you just heard that there was a case of domestic violence, perhaps it didn't seem as bad to Roger Goodell as what it ultimately did. Well, I out. think the, the problem here is, is that you've got basically an all-powerful guy running the sport. You don't have disciplinary uh, panels uh, independently run with uh, you know, former judges on, as you do in other sports, soccer notably in the UK. Think back to Luis Suarez uh, uh, with his biting case in the UK and, and with the, the, the racism case. Uh, uh, it, it was all investigated independently. They hand it over to people who are used to dealing with cases and, and assessing evidence. They make their recommendations and the leagues act on it. This is just one guy, Roger good or going oh well it's not too bad let's just give him two games uh you know having that amount of power in your hands uh, can lead to corruption unfortunately and uh you know whether whether that's true or whether he's just misguided it's very very dangerous to have one person in charge when these sort of incidents happen 
I think that um, a key issue now is whether Ray Rice goes to jail. Um, yeah. he, he's suspended indefinitely. And uh, I, I think well, he's been he, cut from his team, and he, I don't think anybody else is going to pick him up. Yeah, so he's not exactly. going to be playing for a very long time. Yeah. Um, and the question becomes, uh, you know, will, uh, will the prosecutors reopen this, and will he actually go to jail? And will the NFL be able to um, reclaim its credibility? What do you think? Um, I think the NFL have got a lot of backtracking to do. I think what they can do is, is, is move quickly to... To uh, ensure that should incidents like this happen in the future, and we've had them in the past with Michael Vick with his dog fighting and so yeah. on, um, uh, with NFL players and in other American sports, they need to have the, the the mechanisms in place so that these things are investigated properly and okay. independently, and a disciplinary uh, uh, commission, if you like, is set up to ensure that appropriate punishments are handed out. Okay, Until Danny. that day, they're going to suffer. All right, we got to run. It's eight thirty. Thanks very much, Danny Hicks, editor of Sports Direct at AFP. And we'll just get a wrap-up on the markets with Richard Harris. Uh, markets are opening uh, pretty sluggishly, actually. It is a Friday, after all. Uh, Nikkei's at uh, 15,919, and the Aussie index is at 5533. 30 minutes to Hong Kong opening. All right, let's take a look at the weather for Hong Kong today, um, what we can expect. Uh, it looks like a cloudy day, mainly cloudy with some showers and a few thunderstorms expected. The maximum temperature likely to be 31 degrees, so a little cooler than yesterday. The outlook for the next few days, mainly cloudy with showers uh, through towards the, the, through the weekend. Uh, money for nothing at 8.30. The news is coming up next. Eight thirty-two. the news with Samantha Butler. Ten Arab countries, including Saudi Arabia, have agreed to help Washington in its fight against Islamic State militants. The announcement followed a meeting with the U.S. Secretary of State John Kerry in Jeddah. The group also agreed to stop the flow of funds and fighters to IS, which controls large swathes of Syria and Iraq. The BBC's Barbara Pletusher is travelling with Mr Kerry. The Arab states issued a communique agreeing to do their share in the fight against Islamic State militants. 